Hey guys, welcome to episode 25 of the Grab Life podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by Ashlyn Matten, who's the general Hi. operator of uh, Hucklestreet, yeah. which general is a manager. general manager of um, Hucklestreet, which is an incubator in, in Dublin City, just beside Trinity College. And um, she's had a pretty interesting career today, working with Enterprise Ireland, working in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. and several other roles as well that have led you to what is really a pretty cool job at the moment that we'd like to hear about. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so walk us through like the start. So you did Commerce and Friends in UCD. Yeah, which seems like a lifetime ago. Uh, so I chose to do commerce in French for a variety of reasons. I wanted to do something that was kind of multidisciplinary, I guess, but I also really liked French um, as a language and I'm really interested in arts and culture. So I kind of thought that was a very nice, um, a good choice because you were studying like commerce and finance, etc., but also then literature and language. Yeah. Um, and I loved Paris. So uh, I did my Erasmus in Paris. Um, which meant that I spent a year there when I was 20 um, and that was one of the highlights, actually the highlight of my university life, right, getting okay. to kind of live away uh, from home because I grew up in Dublin and I went to college in Dublin so I was still living with my parents obviously when mm. I was going to UCD so um, yeah I really really enjoyed it. I have very few regrets, one of them is not doing commerce in Spanish ridiculously I studied straight commerce and yeah. I learned Spanish on the side and I'd sneak into Spanish classes in UCD <laughs> no but I didn't get through the Erasmus or anything like that yeah. it would have been an incredible thing to do yeah so to, like to any of the students listening I always recommend absolutely if you, if you have any yeah. language or any interest in language go and do it and, yeah. and combine it with yeah. your studies and it doesn't even have to be a language you can I know lots of universities allow you to go and study for one semester in the states or you know just actually having that experience away from your home country I think gives you a cultural education too because in Ireland we tend to still be quite insular so it's nice to get out and yeah absolutely people. yeah and great crack as well yeah totally. um so you did that and like say you came back from Paris then you're in your uh, final year you're fluent in French presumably or, or pretty Used close to be like intermediate now right yeah, okay I was in Paris last week for Viva Tech actually so I try now to get over at least um, twice a year oh right okay yeah. nice it's a pretty cool habit. Um, but at the time, if you were if you were close to fluent, did you consider working in France or were you only kind of looking at Ireland or what was the plan at that um, stage? I did. I stayed on for the summer and I worked in an Irish bar. So uh, that, Very was, cultural. that was pretty typical. <laughs> um, I, I, do you know what? I still think I'll end up there someday. So I've not closed that box. Um, but I don't know why I didn't actually consider... Um, consider living in Paris right after college. When I graduated, it was the year of the recession. So that kind of took over a lot of our chat and decision making. Yeah. Um, I did actually, sorry, thinking back to it, there was an option to go and teach English for a year um, with TEFL, you know. Yeah, that's, teaching that's English is a foreign language, yeah. A lot of people do. Um, but I kind of, I, I just decided against it. I thought I was almost running away from reality or something. Right. And I wanted to... At the time, I thought that I was going to end up working in fashion, so I ended up doing personal shopping in Brown Thomas for a year, um, straight after college, in their um, designer floor, and I really enjoyed that, actually, and it was where a lot of my sales skills came from, because if you think about it, I was selling clothes that were thousands of euro in a recessionary year, so it taught me about the value of quality um, over price and how to kind of sell a dream to someone. Yeah. Um, and then I chose to go back and do the masters. And that's another thing I would say for anyone who is unsure about what they 
they want to do. Like there's so much pressure in society to do, you know, what's right or what's expected of you. I knew I didn't want to go into the big four. I knew that like hundred percent. Um, so I wanted to do something different, but I wasn't quite sure what. So it was kind of a toss up between traveling or working, um, working in fashion or doing something that I actually really enjoyed whilst yeah, okay. I was making my mind up. Two questions on what you just said. Yeah. One of them, the idea, like back then you were kind of thinking that if you did go to France and mm-hmm. or do TEFL, yeah. then you would have been running away from reality. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how do you now look upon that way of thinking? Because a lot of people out there would be thinking maybe they're, they're faced with the same. I think I was, I was taking it too seriously, actually. Um, okay. And I wouldn't think about that at all now. Um, as in, I wouldn't regret any decisions that I, that I made. Um, and I think you just kind of go with your good instinct. Yeah. So if it were me now, I probably would have done it. Yeah, sure. But okay. at the same time, it's not something that I ever think about. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, the past I'd, is the past. I'd, look at it, I'd, I'd probably look at it the same way, but you do. You just kind of have to go with your gut on that totally, stuff. Totally, yeah. And yeah. off you go. Second question then was, uh, you started talking about fashion here. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was in the mix. So at that time in your life, you were looking at a career in fashion and yeah. working with Brian Thomas, you were taking that idea pretty seriously as yeah. well. Um, I applied actually to um, Central St. Martin's in London uh, for a master's in, um, I think it was fashion marketing. And then I worked at BT's and I think uh, I kind of weighed up the industry and the opportunity and I don't think I was, and it's not the same for everyone, but it's an industry that's really difficult to be very successful in. Um, And I, yeah, I don't know, I I just kind of, decided not to, I don't know if it inspired me enough or it would fulfill me yeah, okay. personally as well. So you said, okay, I'm not going to go down fashion, mm-hmm. I know that, but I also know I'm not going to go big four, mm-hmm. etc. So what was your search, in your eyes back then, what was your search kind of limited to and what way did you approach it? I think I thought that I would have to do a master's um, because there was a lot of pressure then. It seemed as though for anyone who was hiring, they only looked for master's students. Mm. So if you think about it, anyone who's coming out of commerce at that time was going and doing their um, accountancy exams um, and going to Smurfish or going somewhere else. And so I kind of thought that it would really be a great investment, and it was, and I'm so thankful that I did it. I really am. But I, I don't know if there was any other option because it was so difficult to get a job. It was... Um, 2009 when I graduated and it was really difficult no one was hiring people were like freezing um, their kind of recruitment and unless you were doing the typical grad programs with like a KPMG or a PwC mm. there was literally nothing else yeah um, so I thought that it would be worth the time and the investment to go and do something that I loved I always loved marketing for a year um, but get practical experience at the same time which is why I chose to do the MSc um, in Smurfit, so it's called the Marketing Development Programme, and Smurfit actually run an in-house marketing agency. So we, as advisors, you work for brands like Unilever, like the IRFU, um, Tony and Guy, I did a big project for her. So you were studying, but you, the majority of your time was actually spent meeting with clients, you wear a suit to work, which I don't even do now, <laughs> um, and you took yourself very seriously, but it was an amazing education and how to be a professional and yeah. how to show up to work, how to, you know, be proud of the work that you produce for clients, how to cost projects. Um, 
and how to work in a team because you were always working with at least five other people um, and the gender split is very good as well so uh, and also actually they make an effort to bring in international students so um, I would highly recommend that I really really loved it because I love the idea of learning but then putting what you learn into practice um, I mean I love reading books and, and educating myself but it's so much better when you can actually read something yeah, and then of course. go into work and, and do it yeah. um, and, and learn by doing so the whole program is built on the premise of action learning and learning by doing so our thesis was on learning by doing right okay really that's been a pretty consistent theme on the podcast so far as people talking about yeah when i was studying these theories yeah i wish i had the opportunity to put them into practice and okay. actually yeah. bring those theories kind of down to earth and apply them and then the same vice versa so you do something in work and then you come back and you end up studying the theory and mm. it just makes more sense to you mm. because you've lived through it already while you're just thinking about it yeah. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. So it's really cool. You get to do these projects while you're working there and you are mm. basically a professional working for an agency. Yeah. How does the finances work? They don't pay you, I'm assuming, and you pay for the you masters. Pay, you pay them. Um, <laughs> it's well worth it. Honestly, it is well worth it. Um, I, yeah, so you pay the exact same as what everyone else pays at, at Smurfit. I think it's probably the same. Um, I think it's about 10 grand, isn't it? It was a little bit more than that. Right, okay. Um, marginally a little bit more. I think 12 and a half. Right, maybe. right. Um, but... 100% worth it. I've really enjoyed it. It's also super competitive. So you have to interview for a spot and not everyone gets in. Right. And the cool thing is that the advisors on the course take part in the interview process. So they will understand in terms of culture fit and what it takes to take part in the program. It's really intense and very tiring. Um, and I remember that was probably my biggest takeaway from it I didn't think it would genuinely take over my life because if you think about your study you're working at the start I tried to keep up my uh, job and BTs part-time then I had to give it up um, right. and obviously that's kind of hard because that was like my disposable income mm. you know like my cash at weekends and stuff so obviously when you're starting out as a student the 12 and a half grand is a huge amount um, but it definitely was worth it so yeah. long term it pays and increases your earning potential immediately mm. and obviously hiring potential yeah. in an environment like that is important yeah. as well. And then there's also obviously options to do things part-time. Um, I did, following the MDP, I did a diploma in the Digital Marketing Institute as well, so that allows you to study during the week, um, at weekends and evenings and stuff. So I know for some people, they may not be able to you know, give up work entirely, but if you can, yeah, yeah. Other than doing a master's, mm -hmm. what can a marketing student do to get ahead today? I would say you get out and you get as much work experience as you can, um, particularly, uh, so it depends, right? If you're going to go B2B or B2C, it's obviously very different. Um, so those who want to work in kind of consumer marketing, uh, you can go down the traditional FMCG route. More difficult to get experience with that kind of company though, I would say. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to work for you know, close to nothing, going in as a marketing um, assistant or support in a startup is so uh, worth it and it just gives you this amazing like ownership, um, depends on the CEO obviously, um, but I would say if you could get work experience with startup from say first year on, if, you, if yeah. you're not going away for, you know, a J1, um, or if you are going away, maybe try and, and work with a startup over in the States or something, again, not sure about the legalities and that. That was one thing I didn't do actually. I always, um, my summer job was always in retail or hospitality, um, or I just travelled and, and didn't work. Yeah, okay. Um, 
and again, I don't regret that, but it no. probably would have been smarter to do some form of internship. Ah, yeah, you need to kind of balance it as well. Um, I just had an idea there yeah. that there's so many small and medium-sized businesses out there, like mm-hmm. pubs, bars, or different any type of business really, yeah. that have been they're, they're 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 basically they've fallen behind because of this offline to online shift. Mm-hmm. And they might be antiquated in how they think or just using outdated practices. There's a huge opportunity for marketing students, new age marketing students who are just tech savvy, etc., to go in and help with their marketing and give with themselves. Cafes. I mean, there's amazing places here, though, in Dublin. You think of places like Network and Two Pups and 3FE, and uh, they're deadly in terms of their marketing and content. So, look, they, they help SMEs with their marketing, do they? Oh, no, I mean, sorry. Oh, you're sorry. About oh, their yeah. own marketing activities. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there'll be loads of them that are very, very, yeah, but there'll yeah. be some that are very behind as well. And yeah, I think true. the students, if they come across one of them, they can go in and offer their services, and that gives them good experience, maybe a bit of cash as well. Yeah. And helps out At the same time, yeah, in. that's a really good idea. So if you're working there anyway, why not get them on Instagram or yeah. uh, Facebook or, or whatever? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that would actually be a really good uh, investment of energy, I think. So you went from the master then, probably much more sort of empowered, confident about what you were able really, to do. Yes, and there are actually two words I talk about all the time, so empowerment and confidence. And one of the things, one of the other great things about the course is that you are um, so well versed and well trained in presenting at the end of it that you can just walk up onto a stage and pitch. We, every week, someone um, had to present in front of the group and you scored each other so you had to like nice. give and it was anonymous so it was very very honest yeah um and you get the forms at the end and people were yeah really gave you kind of good uh very <laughs> honest open feedback and they also taped you so you had to watch it back and give yourself a score as well and i think when i look at young people that i meet today who are so used to digital comms and like emails and won't necessarily be comfortable picking up a phone or going and even speaking to a group of people mm. in a room. That is one of the skills that I see is lacking in the younger generation. Sure. Like 100%. Um, so yeah, I was way more confident after my year at Smurfit and far more, like better able to represent myself in interview. And um, then I did apply for Enterprise Ireland, the grad program there and got really, really lucky. I was placed in, in London and they had just started a, um, or set up a startup team there. So I joined that team. Right. Which meant then that I could work with um, early stage entrepreneurs, Irish uh, companies who were looking at coming into the UK market. And it was great, I loved it, I really loved it. Right, so g- giving a bit of context out there, Enterprise Ireland, I think it actually is technically the largest venture capital fund in Europe. With giving you like the funds yeah. that it has access yeah. to or yeah. that it gives yeah. out, whichever metric. Um, and they basically just invest in Irish startups, mm-hmm. Irish businesses or SMEs who have considerable growth potential, and then also helps Irish businesses reach foreign markets. Yeah. So then within that, you were put in the London team to help, what was it, Irish markets go to, to England or it sounded like maybe the other yeah, way? Yeah, so uh, no, no, so uh, the IDA would work with foreign companies, bring them into Ireland, and then Enterprise Ireland both supports Irish companies here, um, so to create jobs, and then also on export sales. Right, so okay. um, we worked with what EI call high potential startups, which means that they have the ability to hire 10 people within um, three years and reach 1 million euro in revenue. I think that's still the criteria. And um, the companies I was working with had already more or less developed a, a prototype 
in Ireland and now we're looking at exporting to the UK okay. because Ireland is still seen as a test market for a lot of companies. Yeah. Um, it's, it's small here, um, so the UK is so close, it tends to be the first market that, that we would look at. Yeah, sure. And so, like, what are you doing, say, day to day in that sort of role? Because it sounds pretty fascinating. It's cool, yeah, and I got really lucky. It really depends where you end up. So, the market you work with is reflective of the, the country. So, um, for instance, if you were put into um, Germany, you might be working with more manufacturing led companies. Sure. Um, France, it might be energy. You know, it really just actually depends on, on where you're put. So, um, I worked across, I think it was like digital and media. Labeled it as that, so it was any company in e-commerce, music, sports tech, um, that whole kind of. It was very uh, varied, which I loved. And you were a marketing advisor, so you would sit down with the company, help them do research on the UK. You would attend events. You would introduce them to, to people who would either help to partner um, or to kind of sell their product or service. And you just became really knowledgeable about the UK market. Yeah. Um, and so. In terms of for building a network at that early stage, it was amazing, and I still really tap into that network every single day here. Just because Hocal Tree, we're reliant on um, the startup community in in Ireland and, and in the UK as well. So um, it, it really taught me about the value of just getting out there, meeting people, being genuine. Though you know, not networking for the sake of networking, sure. just being human and having a natural interest in other people. Yeah, and. I was really lucky and I'm also a very proud Irish person so I loved being able to go and represent my country and just being proud of the amazing work that everyone was doing. Yeah, that's one of the most interesting grad programs I've heard about. It's great, today. yeah, really, really Like great. that's incredible mm. and then if you did that for say a couple of years mm -hmm. and got really familiar with the market mm -hmm. and as you say built a strong network, you'd end up being in a really good position to help start an office for a a startup in a different country or in that nation yeah. or whatever it might be. So a few people stayed on. Um, I think a couple of the um, US grads stayed in their offices. But then I always kind of knew that I only wanted to do it for two years because at that stage I was itching to go and actually work for a startup. Yeah, okay. Um, that was the hard part. So being an advisor is great, but you're also kind of, you're not really in the company. Yeah, you're you on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're really, you're sharing their success, but you kind of, also want to be more, you know, a part of the success. So mm. I came back um, to Dublin and I did a couple of kind of small projects as I was job hunting. And that's another thing I'd say. So I'd always advise someone not to panic and rush into a job. I think I took about three months probably, but I did stuff in the meantime. So um, Weira was still open. So that was the incubator that O2 Telefonica used to run. So I went in there and I did some projects for a couple of the companies in there. And then I just did a few kind of uh, like things for startups that I had known through EI. And then I uh, went to see a recruiter. That was another thing. I was very anti-recruiter at the time. I don't right. know why. Um, but then I came across um, Prosperity, uh, actually a really, really good uh, recruitment company. And um, they just kind of got me. They got my profile and they said, look, we don't have anything for you right now, but we will look out. And, and sure enough, they did. And they found a great opportunity for me with a company called Brandtone, who were um, located just down the road on Pierce Street, and that was a mobile marketing company. Um, so we built a, a mobile marketing pl platform that allowed consumer brands to interact with their customers in emerging markets. Um, so 
mostly in Asia and then Africa as well. Right. So with my kind of AI hat on, I really wanted to work for an Irish startup, but a global uh, Irish startup. Okay. So um, I wanted to be part of a core team that would take a company from Ireland globally. Yeah. And found that job and I worked with the chief commercial officer. Um, and when I joined the company, we were in two countries, and when I left, we were in 13. So it's just like seeing oh that God. amazing growth. Yeah. And um, two questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, no, no. It's brilliant. We'll go on and we'll talk about I know that Branton took you to Hong Kong. Yeah. Working for the chief commercial officer. Is that a man or a woman? A man. Amazing Work, man. Working so close to him. Mm-hmm. I, I remember hearing this piece of advice from a hedge fund manager mm-hmm. for young people looking at careers saying, just be as high up the hierarchy of thought as you can. Mm. So wherever decisions get made, try to have as little distance between you and that point as possible. And that, yeah. and that kind of, he was, he was really encouraging people to go into small companies rather than be at the bottom of the pile of the big one. Yeah. But working close to the, mm-hmm. would you say, CCO, yeah. that would be a huge learning experience, just working with him and spending oh, days with him, etc. And I still, so Jonathan is still a mentor of mine and uh, we see each other all the time. And he taught me so much about selling about um, interaction communications pitching he is incredible at customer experience um uh, so even now still if i have you know if i'm struggling with something i pick up the phone and, and ask him so yeah absolutely to have i used to go and shadow meetings um, at the start and whenever i was kind of allowed in a room i would go and i would take up the opportunity and within my first two weeks of working at Brantown, i was in um, Russia in Moscow for a business meeting um, and just kind of went along with it um, and learned loads you know, yeah. got to kind of travel the world and I was really lucky and also because I was young um, and the people that worked for Broadtown were a little bit were definitely were older than me and had like kids and responsibilities so they were less able to travel which meant that I was always the one putting my hand up and yeah I, I got an incredible amount out of that role. And yeah. I loved it. And I gave a lot back too. I mean, it was, I was a very loyal employee and uh, I worked really hard, almost a bit too hard, I think, looking right. back on it. Um, so I would have worked a lot during the weekend and, and evenings. And um, I think you do tend to do that, you know, if you love what you do. But sure. work life balance is also very, very important. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, but they took you over to Hong Kong. How long, how long did you spend in Hong Kong? I, so, my role was around new market entry, so um, as Brantown scaled, I would go and spend time in, in a country and help to hire the, the sales team and um, win the first few clients, and then I would move on. So it, it grew really, really, really quick. Um, the first market I was working on was Russia, and then um, then was India, then um, Indonesia, and then um, China. So I was, my customers and my clients were in in mainland China, but the team was based in, in Hong Kong, so and the flight was like two hours from Hong Kong to Shanghai. So I chose to live in Hong Kong for six months, and again, I loved it. I think anyone um, that ever gets the opportunity to work in Asia, a hundred percent take it. It's so different to Europe, yeah. And that at the start, you feel really kind of out of your comfort zone. And I went, I had two colleagues there, and um, that was the great but I went more or less on my own um, which can be kind of overwhelming I think mm. um, so you have to kind of take care of yourself and make sure that you go and you have human interaction and you know you keep up your fitness and 
you go and explore and um, not get so sucked in by the work life that that's all you're doing. Yeah. Um, I spent a lot of time in Singapore and that can okay, be very, cool. very work oriented. Like yeah. there are real and much else. And that's probably yeah. one of the more Western places within yeah, Asia. Yeah, Singapore so. is, is uh, it kind of reminds me of Dubai where, you know, yeah. that kind of man, it, it's also gorgeous, um, but yeah, it's um, no the, the thing that I, not that, no, not that it doesn't have any soul, but the thing that I love about Hong Kong was it's this amazing, um, um, kind of mix of like history, um, you know, you've got the kind of China and Hong Kong divide, and then you also have the Western Hong Kong divide. So, a lot of like rich Western people live there, but a lot of local people live there too. So, um, and there's not necessarily a lot of mixing, mm. and Western people tend to stay where like all the big offices are in the skyscrapers, and that's all they do, so they don't get off the main island. Which has just really annoyed me. So if anyone ever came to visit me, we'd always go and like explore the islands and go and see the history and the temples and the mountains. Like Hong Kong is made up of ninety percent forest, which people no don't way. know about. Yeah, that is so not beautiful that. hikes and like gorgeous beaches, and people would tend to just come and like go and, and go to like the temple bar of, of Hong Kong, right. which is cool. But like I did know. not know that. So yeah. there's actually nice beaches and that sort of thing there. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Right. How long did you spend there overall? Um, I was there for like six month stint and then traveling over and back. And another country I spent a lot of time in was India and I loved that. Whereabouts in India? Um, so between Mumbai and Delhi and Bangalore. Okay. The three main cities. Yeah. Um, and loved that. The people are so nice and everything about their culture. I'm also a yogi, so just, yeah, it was wonderful. My favorite and book is written about India, Shantaram. Have you, have, you, have you heard of it? Yeah. Oh my god, it's unbelievable. I reckon I've sold about 30 copies of it just like saying, read it, read it, read it. I read it when I was in India, so I was that, you know, that person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my god, what a story. God, this is incredible. So you spend half your 20s just like around, around yeah. Asia, and that's really, that's amazing. Yeah. If it's such a, that was such a cool job. Why did you leave and why did you go? You went on to web, web some of them yeah. into partnerships to visit. So that right? happened kind of organically. Um, I when I was in Hong Kong, I was working from a co-working space, um, not unlike Cookal Tree actually, called Garage Society. And I came in one day and there was loads of Irish people there, which was really weird. And I just asked like, oh, what what are you guys doing over here? And they said we're here for a rise. So that was Web Summit's first time running its Asian event in Hong Kong. And I went along to it and I just got so inspired by it and you know, met Patty and the team and I just thought, wow, this company is growing really, really quickly, I want to be part of it. And I was kind of just swept up in um, in, a, in the dream. Um, and I love Web Summit as a company. I had always really admired Patty Cosgrave and the other co-founders. They're kind of on my list of people I would love to work for. Right, okay. And I was coming up, I had done just over two years at Brantone and felt that it was, yeah, it was time to start looking. Mm. And then I sent an email to the HR director and then next time I was home, I went for an interview and he got on with the job. So mm. I took it. I've got a friend who was in a really good job recently and then got offered another amazing opportunity in a startup and a bit more adventure and that sort of stuff. And he had great relationships with the people he was working with. Mm -hmm. He's really, really apprehensive of actually taking this opportunity because of the relationships he's built in his current place. Okay. It sounds like you might have had a similar sort of thing going on in, in, in Brandtone. Was that the case that you were, was oh, it a hard place to leave? It was definitely, sort of? yeah, it was quite emotional because um, 
I had spent so much time with these people and it wasn't just a job, it was my life. Yeah. And we shared a lot and we discovered new countries together, we travelled together, ate dinner together, you know, so you're not just doing the kind of coming in nine to five. Sure. And you went through tough times together, you know, you go in and pitch for new business and you put so much work into it and if you didn't win, it was hard. So yeah, it was definitely difficult, but I think what I would say is just be open with people and let them know that you're looking around, um, which is obviously easier said than done, but I would always give people lots of notice, mm. and then if you can help to find a replacement, or at least suggest someone that could come in, do an amazing handover, uh, make sure all of your you know things are in order, don't take anything with you, just be honest. Yeah. Um, and so for every job I've always done that, so I've done a really like solid handover plan, met with the person that was coming in. Um, so yes, of course it's hard, but like you're not going to be in a job for life. So mm. you know you have to be realistic about these things. One thing I notice: people feel very guilty doing it, and you shouldn't at all. Like it's just it's life happens. Thing, though, isn't it? Maybe it is. Yeah. I don't think people in the states don't feel like that. You know. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't. No, I don't feel guilty at all. I feel um, nostalgic. I'd say, mm. but not guilty. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. So you went to go into you meet the guys in the yeah. uh, summit then, and you say, okay, I'm going to join join the partnership team straight away. I did, um, and then after, so I went moved back to Dublin, and then after two weeks, the announcement came that Web Summit was moving to Portugal. Um, so straight away, I thought, okay, cool, new market. I'm going to go, and I'm going to focus on Portugal. So in my third week there, I went to Lisbon and I pitched to um, all of the big corporate companies there, and ended up focusing largely on on that as a market. Right. Um, I, I was going to ask, what do the partnerships team do in Web Summit? Um, so who are the partners? Partnerships team. Uh, so we would work with large corporates on sponsorships, basically. So sponsoring the event, um, you would. Be focused on global brands because WebSummit now runs four events around mm. the world, um, and I was focusing on special projects as well. So I managed the Women in Tech program um, and got Booking.com on board as, as a partner for that, which meant then that we could put more money behind it um, and invest more kind of time and energy in it as well. So um, that's what yeah, the partnerships team do. We work with brands that want to. Uh, I still talk in the present about all of my jobs. Uh, I worked with brands that wanted to uh, want to get in front of the website with audience, um, and then I also um, managed a team there, so I was the, the team lead. Right. Okay. Yeah. And you launched them in Portugal because Portugal's gone really well for them now, and they're that's like. Oh, well, I did the partnerships part. I didn't. I definitely didn't launch website in Portugal. Uh, I would never take but credit you, for that. You did the, 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 the partnerships <laughs> part. It's still material. Give yourself some credit. Um, yeah, definitely didn't launch website. <laughs> right. How long did you spend on Web Summit then? Two years. Two years. Yes, I kind of have a two-year yeah, two year thing. Yeah, two-year thing. And then you joined, did you get an offer or did you apply? Uh, like, did no, you, I was approached by the country. You were approached, okay, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, similar-ish situation, so a business that was based in the UK, looking to come into a new market, i.e. Ireland, um, and I was approached by a recruiter, and I was in no way looking for a new job. I was really, really happy at Web Summit. And um, I heard about Hope Country and was just kind of, yeah, sold again on the dream. So I think that that's kind of my common thread. I have to, I'm one of those people that's either like really passionate about something or I don't care. So yeah. if, if I'm like won over by something, I'll put everything into it. 
And I remember reading about Gabby and Andrew, the co-founders, and just thinking, yeah, I want to run a space where I am able to help startups to grow, uh, to focus on wellness and, um, you know, helping startups achieve work-life balance and ultimately helping them scale across the world. Like, mm. that is a cool thing to do. And Dublin is thriving at the moment, so, yeah, I'll go for it. What's the main, <laughs> what's the main challenge in a role like this? Is it the people side and managing, say, mentioned work-life balance, etc.? Uh, or is it admin and organisation of the community? Personally, what's the most challenging? Uh, I would say, no, definitely not the people. The people are a joy and we hire really, really good people. Um, so I'd say actually that's the best thing about the job. Right. The, people. Um, the challenging part would be, gosh, I don't know. Um, I suppose the operational side of things because I didn't have a ton of experience in that side. I had worked in hospitality, but I'd never managed the day-to-day -day running of a building. Um, and I have an amazing operations manager, Kira, who, um, who who does that for us here, and she's incredible. But I would still have quite, um, I'd work quite closely with her. So even things like you know understanding how much it costs to run a business and managing the budget and making sure that we make kind of energy saving initiatives, that mm. side of things. So the more practical stuff was actually is actually the harder part. Yeah. Saying that, I've learned pretty quickly and, and you just kind of throw yourself in. So yeah. There's nothing overwhelmingly challenging about, um, and like it's a good challenge, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I sure, yeah. 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 You've had so much variety in your career, both geographically and in, then in the roles you're taking. Mm -hmm. But one thing that they all have in common, the, the kind of trend that they have, Tell is me. that they're all... <laughs> <laughs> what is it? They're all uh, proactive roles, yeah. and most people work in jobs that are reactive. Your boss yeah. gives them to do, and then you just get it done, and the stack is on your desk, and you do get rid of it. Whereas yours are, we're going to go over here, mm -hmm. lead us, like yeah. you know, get get us going and lay the foundations. That's, I don't know if that appeals to everyone. It definitely appeals to me, mm -hmm. um, and will appeal to a lot of people who are listening. How do you recommend people get into proactive roles? And I don't understand if you've never thought about it in these terms before. I think if you are the type of person that looks for that, you almost wouldn't ask that question, um, which is kind of a bad answer. But I've never thought about it. It just, I would not work very well if I didn't have a role like this. Yeah. So um, I think you either are proactive or you're, you're not. Um, and that's okay, you know, like lots of people do better in larger corporations where they're given tasks and, and focus. Um, but a lot of it for me comes down to trusting yourself. Um, and also just ask yourself the question, like, what's the worst that could happen really? You know, mm. if you're trying to test out a new product or service or a project, it's so easy to do that now with, with technology. So um, just put it out there. Yeah. Honestly, what? What is the worst that could happen? And Web Summit taught me an awful lot of that because Paddy um, loves testing new ideas. And so we had you know, an audience of people that you could test things on. So in terms of like event experience or different ways of doing things. Um, also, uh, like what I tend to see in young people is they look for an awful lot of direction. And of course, that's the responsibility of the manager to, to give that. But they also need to accept and see that they have loads to bring to the table too. Sure. Um, and 
it doesn't mean that you just go off on your own and do random things because there's also respect okay so you have mm. to if you work for someone you have to respect that it's their authority and you know you can't just come in somewhere and kind of go like we're going to do this and expect to be given free reign so that's kind of the other side that I see quite often right so there's like either the person that comes in and expects to be able to sit in the room with the CEO on day one you don't you don't get that on day yeah one. you have to kind of build up trust um, and then on the other side there's a person that sits down and expects to be given every single thing and the spec and a task sheet so somewhere along the middle would be like the dream Mm. <laughs> no, but like I get the main lesson is kind of like go out and actually just give things a go. Companies just will identify that. Do, as long as you're not hurting anyone or breaking any laws, obviously, because uh, they'd say, um, or putting something out in the, the public space. <laughs> That's mm. a bit, you know, if it comes to like social media and stuff like that, it is actually kind of scary when you think of the amount of freedom people have now. Yeah, for sure. Particularly if there's. Um, representing a brand so that was a ramble but i would say just yeah go out and try it and get as much work experience as you can um trust yourself so i see a big connection actually between like fitness and um yoga meditation and being able to bring your best self to work and having trust and confidence so i think that you need to look after yourself and in that way you will build up your confidence which then will give you the ability to go in and actually get stuff done absolutely so i see that as a circle um and people that aren't taking care of themselves and aren't moving and you know producing kind of happy hormones don't perform as well mm. in the place. yeah and i try into that just from my own experience the idea of having a really clear mind as opposed to a foggy one makes a huge difference oh, and that yeah. is the output yeah. of, of taking care of yourself as well yeah, yeah. What you're saying largely echoes, apart from the yoga part, the, um, the sentiments expressed by Finn Murphy here a couple of uh, weeks ago, which he just summed up by saying companies hire people who get shit done rather than people to whom shit happens. Yeah. And I think that's a really good um, kind of lesson for or yeah, thing to really good. remember. And also, so um, people who, what was that? Let shit happen. So people who are obsessed with what other people think of them or uh, focus too much on their competition or are overly kind of sensitive um, won't do as well. Yeah, absolutely. So you just have to let it go. Things, if you get bad feedback from your manager, um, just think there's always kind of, you always try and see things through a positive lens. You know, it's an opportunity to learn. It's not, oh, you know, isn't she's been such a bitch, you know, telling me that I did that. It, it's not a person you know I, I always think if someone's giving you feedback whether it's good or bad it's an opportunity to to do better um, and I know people say different things about Gary Vaynerchuk but I actually love that he comes out and does those like big positive um, kind of like one liner to your face I don't know no no I'm, um, I'm... but actually like one thing he says again and again and again he's like let it go let it go let it go and that's the only way you can move forward yeah you know? um, fair enough it's, it's every single Part of life if you bring that attitude in you will do so much better yeah i guess it's, you could, it's kind of funny you just raise like you see my face i have no feelings about him but i have no feelings but, about anyone like that like it's, it's kind of the way i look at it it's just none of my business like some people exactly. for Why some people these guys are their heroes and they're kind of like yeah. all obsessed with them but it's just none of my business like it, it doesn't even <laughs> register with me it's just a guy like, doing stuff cool, somewhere yeah. in america like Great. it's nothing to do with me 
<laughs> and I'm pretty kind of like just zen about the whole thing. Like it's just got nothing to do with me. Good. <laughs> yeah. And at the end, we always kind of jump into a quick fire round and just okay. it kind of just oh, goes God. really deep questions, but like we go. <laughs> God. So um, first off, what's a change that you wish to see in the world? Oh. I, I, I thought you were going to say, oh God. But no, no. Where do I start with that? Um, change that that we all become more human. That we do better for the planet. That we do better for people. That we. Be kinder. This is my yogi coming out. Um, Glad you said it. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that is. Uh, yeah. yeah that um, we care more. Yeah, I'd echo those. Um, a life lesson you've learned to date. Get shit done. Nice, concise. And be kind. Okay. You? Something you <laughs> wish you did as a grad or as a student, sorry, in college. Um, we talked about maybe more we work experience. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And I was going to say we talked about the idea of engaging more with the college life. Regretting it or not regretting it? Yeah, like, probably. Yeah, yeah. but it, it, it's, it's an option. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and something you wish you did earlier in your career? Nothing. I think I did everything pretty well. Right, nice. Yeah, respect. <laughs> it sounds like you did. <laughs> did you learn any Asian languages? Um, not really. Um, I hate to say kind of thank you and hello. Um, this sounds awful, but I didn't need to. Right, okay, yeah. So you got to like the same level as your French then? I started, I did different activities. So when I was in Hong Kong, I started doing yoga very seriously. So I knew I wanted to do something new, but I chose that instead of learning. Yeah, fair enough. There's a big parallel. People would say, oh, you did yoga instead of language. What the hell? But it's actually Mm. not. A a good, intense personal development pursuit outside of work is, yeah, exactly. Um, A book you've read that you would recommend, not Chantra. Um, We should all be feminists. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I've actually done a video on that before as well. Mm. Um, I went to see the author, uh, Chimananda, speak two weeks ago up the road, actually. Um, and she is an amazing human who I would recommend anyone to, to read. She right, okay. Feminist. We should all be feminists. Mm-hmm. And last then, a quote to live by. Um, the Dalai Lama, obviously, is a yogi. Uh, if you can say one prayer a day, make it thank you. Lovely. Well, on that note, thank you very much for joining us. (laughs) Thank Thank you. you.